1: it's 12.03. Welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Noon Business Hour. I'm Jim Goodis, the Noon Business Hour, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Sam's Club is conducting a pilot program where shoppers can simply scan purchases and have the item shipped to their home, and we'll cover that in our next segment. Right now, America's big banks are reporting quarterly results, and we're joined by Dick Bovee, the financial strategist for New York-based Odeon Capital Group. So, Nick, it sounds like these are fairly good times for America's banks.
2: Not really. In other words, um, unfortunately, basically all of the earnings that uh, J.P. Morgan uh, showed and the uh, improvement that Goldman Sachs showed came from an accounting adjustment. In other words, a year ago, uh, the accountants made the banks increase their reserves against possible bad loans. You know, as a result of the COVID situation, COVID situation is now gone. So basically, they've uh, told the banks they don't have to have as much in loan loss reserves. So to give you an, an example of, of the huge impact of that, uh, J.P. Morgan adjustment of its loan loss reserves was $13 billion in the quarter. The increase in its pre-tax earnings were $9 billion. So the adjustment in the loan losses was 150%, roughly speaking, of the increase in pre-tax earnings. So what you get from that, those numbers is that the operating earnings of the company went down in the quarter on a year-over-year basis. They did not go up. It was not a phenomenally strong quarter. Not only was it not a phenomenally strong quarter, but some of the things that you look at, like uh, where, did, where does J.P. Morgan think its loan volume is going to go over the next few quarters well see this this is the big issue uh and it's the important question, Jim, because basically everybody assumes earnings, but there is absolutely no indication in the first quarter or the second quarter that that is going to happen. In other words, it's all based upon the expectation of what we believe is going to occur in the future, because if we look at anything that we saw in the first and second quarter for these banks, it was not good. It was not positive at all. So we're we're stuck with the conundrum. Do we want to stick with our Disneyland beliefs about what's going to happen in the second half, or do we want to rely on the numbers we saw in the first half? And I'm in Disneyland. I'm going to stick with my belief that things are going to get much better in the second half. But if if the third quarter is anything like this one, uh, we're in trouble.
1: All right. That's Dick
2: Bove. Cash,
1: credit, debit, and totally free. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Walmart-owned Sam's Club is testing a new app system called Scan and Ship. And let's hear from Gerald Storch, the head of Storch Advisors and the former vice chairman at and chairman of. okay. so let's do this again. The former vice chairman at Target and chairman and CEO of Toys R Us in Vero Beach, Florida. I knew I'd get that right. So uh, let's talk about maybe I should have that uh, scanned and shipped to me. So let's talk about uh, what Sam's Club is doing.
3: So uh, under this new uh, pilot program, they have testing in a few stores. Uh, when you, you can go in the store and scan items, and instead of having to carry those bulky items home, maybe it's too big to even fit in your car, uh, the store will ship it to your home for free. And so it's just another example of the integration of the e commerce and physical stores. And uh, Samscom's always been a, an incubator for Walmart, and who knows whether this will go to all Sams stores, maybe all Walmart someday.
1: So this is really going to be something that the customers are going to enjoy in the sense that uh, you don't have to have those big carts and. Uh, figure out, okay, what am I going to do with this stuff? and how am I going to bag it or box it or that sort of thing. Uh, what's the big advantage here for for Sam's club and and perhaps for some of the uh, companies that sell through Sam's?
3: Well, look, everybody's just trying to increase sales. and Sams Club's done a spectacular job during the pandemic. Sales are way up, and uh, as they are at their competitor Costco, so this is a differentiator for them. It's a way way to uh, way to win. And, uh, you know, we all love going to warehouse clubs, but sometimes it's just too much. You know, I remember trying to cram everything into every last corner or crevice of my car. And when you think a big bulky like a like a patio set or something like that, you know, there's no way to get it home in your car. So this could be a solution for that. But beyond that, this could be an opportunity down the line when something's out of stock. You could simply, you know, scan the shelf and still have that shipped to your home. Or maybe even a way some retailers are looking at expanding your assortment to kind of the limitless shelf. So that items that aren't even in the store, all you have to do is just scan a barcode or something and have that shipped to your store. So it's a way of uh, further uh, blurring the line between the e-commerce and the stores and growing sales.
1: So it it kind of, is, as you say, it blurs the line a little bit. It's kind of like, you know, Sam's Club could be like an in-person, say, Amazon, where you can actually go and look and feel and touch the merchandise. But then you could kind of just order it like you would on Amazon and have it shipped to your house.
3: That's right. I mean, most experience has shown me that if a customer goes to the store, they probably want to take it home or else they just go to the website to begin with, right, and order it for delivery. But sometimes you get to the store and your eyes may be bigger than your, than your car trunk, you know, and there's something you may want that you simply cannot get home. And so this solves that problem. And uh, a lot of retailers are looking at smaller store footprints where they only have uh, samples for sale. And you could just say, look, this is a great way of seeing it, maybe touching that fabric, you know, which is hard to tell or really knowing what size it is. I think we've all had experience where we buy something online and it comes and it's like, it's that little thing? I thought it was much larger. Or it's that big thing? I thought it was much smaller. And so this is a way that you know what you're buying before you buy it, and yet, uh, you know, maybe uh, you don't
1: have to worry about how to get it home. And, And it's a big solution when products are out of stock as well. Gerald Storch, the CEO of Storch Advisors and former vice chairman at Target and chairman and CEO of Toys R Us in Vero Beach, Florida. Thank you so much for joining us. Up next, a manufacturing flaw causes Boeing to lower production rates on its 787 jets. The only program dedicated to currency events.
2: You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour.
1: Chicago-based Boeing is cutting production of its 787 Dreamliner planes. And let's find out why from Brian Langenberg, the principal and industrial strategist at Langenberg & Company here in Chicago. So why are they doing it?
4: Well, it's probably a good time because if you think of the 787, it's a longer-haul aircraft. Um, overall, um, looking at the summer, your 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 traffic is running at about 70% of 2019 levels, and particularly you start going into international. Your long-haul international is basically about 23% normal levels. So right now the market doesn't need as many 787s as you would have thought two years ago. You know, you have a, a minor production issue, they'll get through just fine in the near term. It's a good time to do it, and it's prudent getting where the traffic is and the uh, time it's taking for it to recover.
1: So what does this mean moving ahead for airlines that are, you know, very dependent on the 787? Is is this going to be problematic for them, especially as they're trying now to uh, bring back more travelers as, as we're seeing an increase in leisure travel and following that business travel, mm-hmm. that sort of thing?
4: Yeah, there, there's definitely going to be a hiccup because by definition, if your airline is planning on getting this plane in month A, and you 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 need it, um, that's the bad news. The good news for the airlines, they can manage through this because given where traffic is, there there is a surplus of aircraft out there. If you need another one, you can get it. Granted, the 787 isn't like a you know a 737 or a 319; it's a bigger aircraft. But there are enough um, there are enough airframes out there to do what you need to do. It'll be an annoyance, not a big problem.
1: All right, that's Brian Langenberg, the principal and industrial strategist at Langenberg & Company.
3: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me.
1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites.
5: You are a fighter. and Medella is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.
1: Money Talks, as the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Markets are mixed, and we're joined by Michael Palumbo, the founder of MJP Capital, and author of the book, Calculated Risk, here in Chicago. So, Mike, talk about the numbers today, especially with those price numbers.
6: Well, good afternoon, Jim, and thanks uh, again for having me on uh, this afternoon as well. So what we had mentioned earlier, uh, inflation number CPI came out 5.4% on the headline, which was uh, hotter than the 5% they expected, and then the the core was 4.5% versus 3.8% expected. In the core, that's a real big miss, and it's the highest it's been since 1991. So... Taken at at its face, that that would be pretty scary uh, for bonds and actually for all asset prices. Uh, If we have a lot more inflation than we expect, you would expect the entire asset uh, uh, market to sell off, including stocks, bonds, uh, just about everything. It's not happening yet. Um, and the reason is, is that most people, most market participants, believe that this is a transitory situation, uh, meaning that in the next month or two, you're going to start seeing much more sanguine uh, numbers coming out for for uh, inflation. But what happens if it doesn't? And we and then we just had an auction, literally minutes ago, on the 30-year Treasury, and it didn't go well. So they expected a yield of 1.98%. They got a yield of 2%. That doesn't sound much very different. But it spooked bonds even a little bit after this this nu- this number came out this morning, and now we're finally seeing a little bit of a sell-off in the bond market. And that's resulted in the Dow going negative and the S&P going negative. We were positive earlier. So these things are, are fluid. Um, it's basically right now it, how much faith do investors have that this is a transitory inflationary situation. If it is, we're going to be fine. Stocks will be fine. But what if we have more months of this and prices continue to go up? Uh, it, it could cause a major problem in the bond and stock market. And that's what we're trying to figure out right now. And there's a little nervousness in the bond market as we speak.
1: All right. So two questions. One, what do you think going to happen?
6: Okay. That's a great question. So what I think is going to happen is I think we're going to get more sanguine numbers uh, maybe July is, is going to be iffy, but by August, I think you'll start seeing inflation numbers much more uh, in the, you know, 2% range that the Fed targets. Um, I expect that, okay, and the market expects that. But what I get worried about is that if, if, if we're wrong, what will happen? And, but, but I do think you will see these numbers become more benign in the next couple months, but they better, it better be correct or you're going to see a sell-off in stocks and bonds that will be huge. We're talking 10 to 20% on, in the stock market. If, if, these, if, if the market really believes inflation is here for a longer period of time, I don't think that's what's going to happen. So uh, we will have to wait and see the July and August CPI numbers, and that we'll have to wait a month uh, to start seeing them.
1: And second question, what's your advice for investors? How should they be treating this right now? What should
6: they be doing? Well, we always say, and I, every time I'm on the show, I, I try to, I, I try to um, talk about it, remain diversified. We like Dollar General. We like Lockheed Martin. We like AMD. Those are three stocks we think will weather the storm here that are very well, well-priced for this market. And we would say, please be diversified. Don't play the meme stocks. Play the boring stocks that are that are actually the ones that are going to do the best, like the names I just gave you, and stay diversified, have some bonds, have some stock, and have some gold. And actually, right now, even have a little bit of cash right now, because we might have a little sell-off coming up, and you want to have some cash to be able to buy that sell-off.
1: All right, that's Michael Palumbo, the founder of MJP Capital and author of the book, Calculated Risk, here in Chicago. Your daily transaction for useful information. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Travel Tuesday, school, and returns to work not far away, but there's still a chance to plan a getaway this summer. And let's get some help from Cindy Richards, the editor-in-chief of TravelingMom.com here in Chicago. So. Cindy, you know, summer's half over and you think, oh, maybe it's too late for me to get a deal. But you can if you do the right things. What's the best way to plan one of these last-minute summer trips?
0: Well, you know, I hate thinking about summer being half over ever, but it is, especially if you've got kids that are going back to school in August. But. Really, you know, like everything in this um, post pandemic time, it's all about the research and booking something when you can find it. Things are booked up all over the place. There's still capacity limits. They still can't find staff to open up restaurants at full capacity, things like that. So, my recommendation is if you know where you want to go, you have an idea in mind, get on the computer, start Googling, find something. And if you find something, book it. Book it now. Check the the refund policy in case you have to cancel. But if you find something that's available, book it. I'm heading to Colorado next week. And uh, there was a thing we wanted to do. I found it a month ago and didn't take my own advice and I didn't book it. And when I went back in a week later, it was gone.
1: So you got to follow your own advice and we've got to follow your advice. So, but it's still possible, but it's, you, you've just got to look and you got to kind of seize the moment as it were.
0: As it were. You know, I think outdoors is still the answer for now uh, when you want to travel. There's some great lake destinations in all around the Midwest. You know, we think about Lake Michigan because that's the big lake and we love it. But there are a lot of small little lakes um, all over dotted all over the Midwest. So get online, um, Google it, see what you can find. You can find a nice. I mean, I I was just looking this morning. There's still lake houses for you know that are available at reasonable amounts of mon- money in southern Indiana, in Michigan, in Wisconsin. So go ahead and book it. And, you know, if you don't want to do the research and you don't want to work that hard, you can stay close to home. You know, this is a great time to really explore in your own backyard. Chicago's reopening. There's, you know, we love Chicago, right? It's such a great city. And we haven't been able to really experience and appreciate it for so long. Um, and, you know, there's there's even a lot of free things to do. Uh, the Field Museum is offering free musician free admission to Illinois residents this Thursday, and my absolute all-time, all-my-life favorite museum, the Museum of Science and Industry, has free admission for Illinois residents tomorrow. And, of course, then the National Museum of Mexican Art in Pilson, which is just lovely, is always free. So there's plenty of things to do with kids um, in Chicago if you want to stay home. And if you want to make it more of an adventure, you know, rent an Airbnb or book a hotel room downtown, but get one with a pool so the kids are happy and you'll really all, and you'll all be thrilled.
1: You know, it almost sounds like you should do what, when someone comes in from out of town and says, Hey, what should I do when I'm in Chicago? Answer that question yourself and then plan a vacation. It sounds like a great idea.
0: Yeah. And, you know, you can even make it a staycation if you don't want to spring for a hotel room downtown. Um, But, you know, we have a whole story on TravelingMom.com about how to make a staycation feel like a real vacation. And there are two real secrets to it. One is you order in dinner every night and the other one is you hire somebody to clean the house. So nobody has to feel like they have to do the cooking and cleaning because you wouldn't have to do that if you were on vacation.
1: And then you just have to send your husband to the ice maker and pretend it's the hotel one and say, honey, I need that. And then you really <laughs> you go. and you really feel like you're at the hotel. Or just have, leave some heavy bags at the bottom of the stairs and tell him, okay, we need to bring them upstairs, like you were you know, going upstairs at a hotel. So uh, a couple there of go. ways just you can make it look, look like a thing. The, the bellhop. Exactly. <laughs> make him the bellhop. But then give him a nice tip. Hey, by the way, That's Cindy, right. if people want to find out more of these great tips, where do they go?
0: Um, You can come to travelingmom.com. We have um, thousands of stories on the site, and we get thousands, hundreds of thousands of visitors every month that get all the information they need about traveling with kids on our site.
1: That's Cindy Richards, the editor-in-chief of travelingmom.com here in Chicago. Join us at this time tomorrow for Personal Finance Wednesday. Still to come, a primer on target date funds. Making sense of your dollars, the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Target date funds are a tool for 401k plan investors, but not too many people truly understand how they work. And to help us get a better understanding, we welcome back Mark Horner, the wealth advisor from Fairhaven Wealth Management in Wheaton. And you can get more of Mark's great advice at fairhavenwealth.com.
5: So Mark, what are these tools and how do we use them? Yeah, Jim. So they, they were developed, target date funds were developed a little over 15 years ago as a solution for uh, 401k plan participants in building their own portfolio. So instead of trying to put together your own mix with the different funds that your company plan offers, you could choose from a a, a range of target date funds that basically line up. They're meant to line up with the date that you intend on retiring. So if you're going to retire, let's say 20 years from now, you might go through and identify the 2040, so the 2040 Target date fund that generally lines up with your date of retirement, and then that portfolio is going to be invested ba- automatically for you. Uh, so a twenty forty fund might be let's say 80 percent stocks, twenty percent bonds, and then as you get approach retirement, that that uh, allocation, that mix of stocks and bonds, will slowly move down. So the idea is that is that risk gets reduced for you. Uh, so that that was the that was the uh, the derivation of the funds.
1: Is this something that uh, don't try this yourself? Let a professional help you with it, or is it something that you know just an average investor could could get some kind of tool and maybe figure out a good strategy here?
5: Yeah, so I, th- I think it just depends on the individual. Some people really enjoy. So we we advise fifty fifty companies or so on the construction of their uh, their four hundred one k plans, and so some plan participants really like. Going through and building their own portfolios and deciding is it time to is it time to overweight international or overweight small caps and making those decisions and keeping track of of the of that portfolio uh, others would prefer just to to go ahead and use the target date funds and let it let it do its own let it do its own thing so I think it really comes down to being. Honest with yourself about do I do I really want to sign up for doing the work? Do I have the uh, can I lean on the advice of of a, of a financial advisor to help me with that, or are the target date funds a, uh, a better solution for me? So I, I don't I don't think there's really a right or a wrong answer. I think it's more about the the fit for the individual.
1: Mark, any parting advice about these 401k tools in terms of target date funds or that sort of thing? Any or any any words of wisdom for folks?
5: Absolutely. So I would say to answer that last point about being honest with yourself, if you're looking at your portfolio, whether it's in a 401k plan at work or a brokerage account, and you don't know what role a particular investment plays within your portfolio, I would say that that's a very strong indication that you should be looking for some help and maybe leaning on something like a target date fund or leaning on the health of a professional. So if you don't know the answer to, to why you own a particular investment, that needs to be fixed. Mark Horner is the wealth advisor at Fairhaven Wealth Management in Wheaton
1: and his website again, fairhavenwealth.com. If you missed any part of today's show, you can go to our stream and just skip back to the time you want. There's a pause and rewind function that works both online and with the Odyssey app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours.